We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The House Oversight Committee brings a resolution to hold contempt of Congress proceedings against FBI head Christopher Wray. Biden's getting kid gloves treatment while while it looks like they're going to scorch the earth to try to make a case on Trump. A brawl breaks out at a school in California over its LGBTQ plus curriculum. A lot of these very liberal elite values that are being inculcated in our schools do not align with what the parents actually want. And CNN cleaning house. They won't consider the possibility that their coverage did become too hyperbolic. This is the Daybreak Insider podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, June 8th. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, House Oversight Committee Chairman Republican James Comer of Kentucky introduced a resolution to hold FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress for not producing a document containing bribery allegations against then-Vice President Joe Biden. Well, as of now, we're still planning on having the contempt hearing, but I will say this, they're negotiating, uh, they're offering uh, deals now to try to cooperate with us in our investigation, and my investigation's always been about following the money and following all the leads that would point in the direction of uh, explaining how the Biden family's been receiving millions of dollars from our adversaries around the world. So I'm listening to the FBI's offers, uh, but as of now, we still plan on moving forward. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa believes the FBI is playing games with Congress. We have an unclassified document. We have what the FBI calls a credible source because they paid this person over years six figures. Uh, And uh, I've got a reputation for protecting whistleblowers, and we're going to keep going until we get this document. But yes, I believe the FBI is covering uh, for uh, President Biden, and uh, the information that's in this uh, 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 is, uh, is from a credible source, from credible whistleblowers, people that are protected by the whistleblower protection law, and we've just got to get to the bottom of it, and we're not going to give up until we get this document. The FBI responded in a statement saying, quote, the escalation to a contempt vote under these circumstances is unwarranted, end quote. The statement went on to suggest that the FBI has already shown they are willing to accommodate the oversight committee. The record sought by Comer and the committee is an FBI form which is used to record information from a confidential human source. This particular form references a date and dollar amount in an alleged scheme in which a foreign national offered Joe Biden money in exchange for certain actions at a time when he was vice president. 
Former federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy joined the Salem Radio Network and says that Attorney General Merrick Garland won't prosecute Christopher Wray even if he is held in contempt. He can't stop Congress from holding him in contempt, but you're right to uh, wonder what's going on behind the scenes between Wray and, uh, and Garland. And what people need to understand, I think, is that the FBI is a component of the Justice Department. Yep. So Ray answers to Garland, and it seems to me that it would be impossible that Ray would be taking this position with Congress unless that was the position Garland wanted him to take. So he knows that he's not going to be prosecuted by the Justice Department. Now, I think to Ray's credit, he doesn't want to be held in contempt. So he has been trying to come up with ways to you know, give Congress enough that they stop at least uh, saying that they're going to hold them in contempt. It sounds like Comer is not going to be satisfied with anything less than the production of the document. The former assistant U.S. attorney says that James Comer and the Republicans in the House Oversight Committee have to walk a fine line of being tough but not heavy-handed. What Comer has to worry about, Joe, at this point is he he wants to be firm without looking like he's being petty. So, you know, he kind of won last week because Ray said you can't have the document. Exactly. Exactly. And then he says you have to come over to the bureau and look at it. So then last week Ray brought it over. Well, Ray didn't bring it himself, but he he had FBI agents bring it over. It shouldn't matter to Congress. If all they want is the document, it shouldn't matter whether it's Ray who hands it to them or somebody else. Uh, and he sent over agents who could give them a briefing about the document. And I thought Comer was, Comer's sound position was that he said that the, the the briefing they got from the FBI raised more questions than it answered. McCarthy explains why it's important that more oversight committee members are allowed to view the document. The other thing that Comer doesn't like, and I don't blame him for this, is if only he and Raskin get to see it, then what what will happen is what happened last week is Raskin goes out to speak after Comer speaks, and you would think yeah. that these two guys were not at the same briefing and that yeah. they didn't see the same document. So like great, Comer's yeah. like, okay, we have to do this. We need the document so that we can like see what it really says and satisfy people about what it really says. And we want to have a situation where we're speaking to people in public so that they can know what the, the actual deal is Not so that, you know, Jamie Raskin can come out and, you know, spew a bunch of nonsense that sounds like him and Ray were not in the same place even. McCarthy feels that the fight between Comer and the FBI highlights what many believe is a two-tiered justice system. You know, this whole idea of two tiers of justice, if you want to know why former President Trump is doing as well as he is in the polls on the Republican side, even though a lot of us think, you know, he he's not the ideal candidate to run in November, but he is the kind of he is kind of um, the embodiment of people's frustrations and outrages about the the two tiered justice system. And you're right that we, you know it, it's obvious that Biden's getting kid gloves treatment. Well, while it looks like they're going to scorch the earth to try to make a case on Trump, and I think I I probably speak for a lot of people when I say mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with making a case on Trump 
if he did something wrong, but I want an even playing field. I want everybody to be treated the same. And you're going to hear an awful lot after Trump gets charged, because I think he is going to get charged by the special counsel, Jack uh, Smith. You're going to hear an awful lot about the Hillary Clinton emails case. The White House has dismissed Comer's inquiry as a political exercise, saying in part, quote, this is yet another fact-free stunt staged by Chairman Comer, not to conduct legitimate oversight, but to spread thin innuendo to try and damage the president politically and get himself media attention, end quote. Hazardous smoke from wildfires hangs over millions in the U.S. and Canada. We get more on this developing story from our Daybreak Insider, Mike Hempen. The air quality index exceeded a staggering 400 at times in New York City. Mayor Eric Adams says the quality of the air was getting worse throughout the day Wednesday. At 5 p.m., the air quality index hit 484. A level over 300 is considered hazardous when even healthy people are advised to curtail outdoor physical activity. In Canada, officials are asking other countries for help, fighting more than 400 places across the country that have displaced 20,000 people. Canadian officials say this is shaping up to be the nation's worst wildfire season ever. I'm Mike Kempen. Three people were arrested and others injured when a brawl broke out outside of a school board meeting over whether the school should recognize June as Pride Month. Things got ugly in Glendale, California. A new video this morning showing people fighting and brawling. There are a lot of parents here outside of this school board meeting in California. One side there to support a resolution recognizing June as Pride Month and incorporate curriculum about the LGBTQ plus community. The other side, a lot of families Uh, protesting the school district's choice in policies. Several rowdy demonstrators threw punches, just as the Glendale Unified School District in Los Angeles County was due to hold an official vote on the matter. Almost 500 gathered in the school headquarters parking lot where those for and against the district resolution began to tussle over the global recognition and celebration of the LGBTQ plus community. This teacher says the school simply wants to be inclusive. We don't have any prescribed LGBTQ plus curriculum. We just don't leave gay people out of the equation. This concerned parent thinks that it is not the school's place to teach students about any LGBTQ plus lifestyle. We're talking about children. We're not ready for, the, for such choices. It, it, it uh, confuses them. And ultimately, these are things that parents should decide. Police said most of the protest was peaceful, but that a small group of individuals engaged in behavior deemed unsafe and that additional attempts to de-escalate the crowd failed. Three people who were arrested faced charges, including obstructing officers and unlawful use of pepper spray. May Mailman, president of Restoring Integrity and Trust in Election, says that when she was a teacher, 
She simply wouldn't dream of teaching children from grades K through 6 anything on any sexuality. That's why these fights are happening at these school boards, because parents want to be able to have their say. And I think what you're seeing is that a lot of these very liberal elite values that are being inculcated in our schools do not align with what the parents actually want. So now you've got this division, but what from what the parents are asking for and what the school board, who's, you know, who represent not the entire body of the parents, but just a, a few individuals who are, you know, maybe more highly educated. And I think it's going to be a problem. And we're not talking about whether we talk about fractions or division in sixth grade. We're talking about, especially in Glendale, uh, sexual education, uh, LGBTQ, pride education for K through six. The thought that I would introduce like gay sexual activity to my students, I would never have thought of doing <laughs> such a well, Opting out may be a good way to alleviate some parental concerns. Mailman points out that there are some things students simply can't opt out from. Opt out, I think, is one way to go about it, although even still with opt out, all the other kids are learning about it. It seeps into the classroom. It really is part of your day. But with California and with a lot of these other programs that we're seeing, especially with uh, transgender bathroom policies, it's not something you can opt out of. And the Glendale kids were telling their parents, I'm scared to go into the locker room. I'm scared to change as a girl, as a young girl, because I think a boy is going to come in there. Just opt out is, is not even available option anymore. Mailman believes that part of the reason that America is seeing a strong pushback against LGBTQ plus curriculums and education is because there are many minorities that do not share those values. For me, what I see is that you've got a very small cadre of liberal elites who have ideas of critical theory and other things that they've learned at universities, and then you've got the rest of America, including minorities. This is what we're seeing with uh, Muslim Americans who are protesting in Maryland, Armenian Americans who are protesting in California. These Hispanic are Hispanic Americans in the South. Yes, yeah. and I think as our nation gets more diverse, we actually see a greater and greater pushback. These values that are being pushed in our schools are not ones that are broadly shared, and they're going to be even less shared as our nation changes. Meantime, Democrat Representative Adam Schiff reacted to the unrest by tweeting, quote, these continued acts of violence and hate toward our LGBTQ community, especially toward students, parents, and teachers, are horrific, end quote. The pause on student loan payments is ending, and borrowers are hoping to find room in their budgets. More on this from Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue. Selena Chanthanuvong earned a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of California, Merced. I ended up having to take out about $25,000 in loans throughout my life, four and a half years there. The pause in student loan payments has been a lifeline for the 25-year-old. More than 40 million Americans, including Selena Chanthanuvong, will be on the hook for federal student loan payments starting in late August under the terms of a debt ceiling deal approved by Congress last week. Whether it's housing, food, car, hospital bills, so. Yeah, I really just have no idea how I'm going to navigate through it. Without cancellation, the Education Department predicts borrowers will fall behind on their loans at historic rates. I'm Ed Donahue. 
CNN CEO Chris Licht is out of a job due to growing criticism over a profile published in The Atlantic that did not go over well with staffers. Licht had tried to move the network away from the oppositional stance it adopted toward Republicans during the Trump era. Particularly, Lick suggested CNN was, quote, sometimes less interested in finding answers and more worried about not offending perceived allies, end quote. One particular exchange seems to highlight what Licht was getting at. This CNN host interviewed a mother who was protesting mask mandates in schools and seemed to dismiss her completely. Do you believe that masks work to, to stop the spread of the virus? I think there's many cases where, um, especially with kids, the masks don't work because they're not being worn properly. Um, there's arguments where people aren't wearing the per- correct type of mask. So I think that that is something that cannot be controlled in all of New Jersey schools. Um, Bruce, I think we probably should stop the conversation right there. If we're having a conversation about whether masks work or not, I really believe the rest of this is, is futile because we know that the science shows that masks work. Lick promised a reset with Republican voters. Part of that was to hear from the GOP frontrunner Donald Trump in an event moderated by host Caitlin Collins. However, the effort to steer the company to a more fact-first direction apparently didn't go over well with CNN staff. News Nation commentator and anchor Dan Abrams says that in some ways, it seems like CNN's team can't take any criticism. They can't. They won't consider the possibility that maybe their coverage did become too hyperbolic. According to Brian Stelter, the longtime CNN media correspondent who was fired by Licht last summer, the comments on COVID were not well received. Quote, some CNNers, I'm talking about current staffers, not formers like yours truly, are quite offended by Lick's suggestion that the network unduly hyped COVID for ratings. The passages in the Atlantic about Lick's disdain for the Trump-era CNN are going to leave a lasting mark. Abrams points out that CNN's own internal polling shows that many Americans simply don't trust the network anymore. It reflects an internal study commissioned by the network in early 2022, whose findings were obtained by Mediate.com, which I founded. The study showed trust in the network was at its lowest level since 2017, with, quote, liberal bias and opinionated coverage cited as the network's biggest weaknesses. But inside the CNN bubble, those critiques are apparently forbidden. And that's the problem that the next CEO will face at CNN, and maybe the one after that. They're going to run up against a team that's either unwilling or incapable of carrying out that mission. Sadly, it seems the only way to really turn CNN into a nonpartisan outfit is to clean house. A report says the global economy's path ahead is highly uncertain. We get a much deeper look at the numbers ahead with Daybreak Insider Charles de Ledesma. The takeaway from the latest economic outlook by the Paris-based Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says economies must steer through a precarious recovery this year and next as inflation keeps dragging on household spending and higher interest rates weigh on growth, banks and markets. The group adds the path ahead is fraught with risks. 
from escalation of Russia's war in Ukraine, with a dam collapse on Tuesday that decides blame on each other to debt troubles in developing countries and rapid interest rate hikes, having unforeseen effects on banks and investors. I'm Charles Diladesma. And finally, if anyone has shown America that one is never too old to try new things, it's 93-year-old Joy Ryan. She has set a world record of being the oldest person to visit all 63 national parks. An adventure she went on with her 42-year-old grandson, Brad Ryan. You first met Brad Ryan and his grandma Joy four years ago. Their great adventure, their goal, to visit every single national park in America. Grandma Joy at Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee. She spent her first night in a tent at 85. The Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, Joshua Tree, Glacier National Park, and Redwood National Park 2. And tonight at 93, Grandma Joy and Brad have now visited all 63 national parks. The journey began years ago when Brad had been going through a dark time in his life and contemplated suicide. However, instead of taking his own life, he thought about the raisin-filled cookies his grandmother used to make and then gave her a call. Joy remembers that call and how Brad asked her then if she wanted to go to the Smoky Mountains with him and stay in a tent. Joy agreed because she wanted to spend more time with her grandson, but also Camping was something she had never done before. At the time, she was 85. Since then, the two have been unstoppable. When visiting the Redwood Forest, Joy said she felt very small next to the giant trees, but not young. How do you feel when you look up at these trees? They make you feel very small. Does it make you feel very young? Not me. (laughs) I've walked too many miles. The pair took to social media to announce Grandma Joy's record-setting feat. This is Grandma Joy coming to you from the National Park of American Samoa. Where Grandma Joy just became the oldest person in history to visit every U.S. national park. Over the last eight years, Brad and Joy have had little spats, to be sure. But they never let small disagreements get in the way of their time together. This has been an exciting and wondrous journey. It makes you feel younger when you do something like this. It really does. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.